reading from Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to 15. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a fine child, and she hid him for three months. But when, but when she could hide him no longer, she got uh, a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her her, uh, female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister uh, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. The girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. And so the woman took the baby and nursed him. The child grew older. She took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Uh, One day after Moses had grown up, uh, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own one of his own people, and looked this looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting that two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one who was in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow your fellow Hebrew? The man asked, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought what what I did must become known 
Uh, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Actually, I gathered we're going to be talking a bit about Moses today. Not a usual thing after Pentecost, but Moses. We've we've yeah, studied Moses quite a bit. Spring Harvest. I'm not going to mention Spring Harvest more than once. Right, but that was a theme. The theme was game changes, and this is like game changes part two. Moses was a major game changer. It tells us that he lived for 120 years, Moses. And to be honest with you, he's a very unlikely game changer. Very unlikely. With the exception of very unique childhood experiences, as in spending his first, well, going for his first swimming lesson or boating lesson, only to be rescued. And then handed back to his mum to look after him for a couple of years. And then being brought up as an Egyptian. Apart from that, as we read before, as Derek read before, quite a serious criminal event in his 40s. Moses did not kill this man out of anger. Moses saw the man being killed and then decided to kill him. It wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. And then buried him in the sand. This is murder. No mistake. The capital offence. Justified. Is murder justified? I don't think so. It wasn't a fight. Moses killed the man. So a serious thing happened to him. And he realized he made such a mistake and the Pharaoh was after him and probably justifiably so. And he ran off into the mountains. He went to Midian. Midian is just round the corner basically. Midianites are related to Israelites. When Sarah died, and Abraham, one of Abraham's wives, the son of one of Sarah's, was Midian. So Midianites are related by Abraham. So they are, there's a link with Midianites, with Israelites, but they're not Israelites. So nothing really happened then for the next 40 years. Moses, we read on afterwards, but he's sitting by it. Well, first thing he does, he comes across half a dozen girls trying to get some water at the well and being badgered by a crowd of blokes. And Moses, he's quite an handy fella, chases them off. He goes back, introduces himself to Jethro, who's the priest of the Midianites. And Jethro says, How about my daughter for a wife? So Moses says, why not? 
So Moses gets married. Marries the daughter of Jethro. And spends the next four decades as a career shepherd. A career shepherd. Not only not his own sheep. He's looking after Jethro's sheep for four decades. This is a man who was brought up as an Egyptian. He would have known a little bit about God, the Hebrew God. We'll probably know more about the Egyptian gods that have been brought up as an Egyptian. And God been speaking to him during those first 40 years. And I think God been speaking to him quite a bit as a shepherd up in the mountains. He might not have heard him talking. He might well have had the God of nudges. And then thinking about things. Because I think 40 years as a shepherd up in the mountains... Give a plenty of time to think. So nothing much happened before his 80th birthday. Get this, 80th birthday. Now come to the second reading, please. Carrying on reading from Exodus 3, verses 1 to 17. Moses and the burning bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horab, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought... I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for this place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites and Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to a Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? 
And what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses hasn't had a nudge here. Moses has been nudged quite a few times probably in the last 40 years. This is not a nudge event. Whereabouts is he? Come to the first slide, please. That's his Mount Oreb. It's also known as Mount Sinai. It's 3,000 meters. It's a big mountain. Now, I am going to talk a little bit about mountains today. All right? A little bit of mountains. Only about the fact that this week, I'm having a week off, and I'm actually going to go on the mountains sometime this week. I'm gobsmacked. I'm up on the mountains for yonks. I'm doing far too much first day training. I'm not going one like this. This is a big mountain, 3,000 meters. That's about 10,000 feet. It's huge. It's referred to as God's mountain. He refers to it in Exodus as the mountain of God. I can't see a lot of grass there. Moses has been led into that wilderness. And he's with his flock of sheep. Not his sheep, remember? It's his father-in-law's sheep. Next slide, please. Not a lot of grass. It's a big place. I would call that, as a mountain walker, and I mentioned mountains again, a big sky place. The kind of place you get lost in that sky, never mind the mountains itself. It's a big sky place, big sky environment. So. Moses doesn't get a nudge here. He might have a nudge to go there. God nudges us all. He nudges me quite a few times. I said, I want you to do this. I want to get there. I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. He might have a nudge to go there. He might just be follow some sheep. If he's not in charge of sheep after four decades, he's not much of a shepherd, is he? I mean, so he may well have been nudged that quarter. And this is what he says. Next slide, please. This burning bush. He approaches the bush. And he's told to stop. Take your sandals off. Let's explain to him. The voice that is there. That God is speaking to him. And for this time, 
Moses is not getting a nudge. Moses is getting those nice, clear voice instructions. I've heard that clear voice myself once or twice. It's not very often. You get a clear voice telling you things. I want you to do this. Moses gets that experience. God takes him to take off his sandals, the place you're standing is holy ground. And then God goes on about the misery that he's seen taking place. And he asked Moses, what does he ask Moses to do? We all know the story. Question time. What does he ask Moses to do? Answer please. Go and get his people out. You, four decades as a shepherd, I want you to be a shepherd again. This time, not look after sheep. He's had four decades of, you know, continuous personal development. He's been a shepherd, and now he's been told to shepherd a nation. Must have come a bit of a shock to Moses. What does he say to him? He says, when they ask who it is, because God, God says to him, I am. Do you have one of the lines of the, um, you can go back to number five, please. Three, five. The readings. Three, five. Um, yeah. Three, verse five. Um, not next. Yeah, six, sorry. Yeah. God says, I'm your father. God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was 400 years before this event. God's saying to him, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Jacob with his 12 lads. The youngest one with a coat of many colors. The second the youngest one. The one who saved the nation. I am that God. So when he asks you who it is, tell him that's who it is. And he says this a few times. And then Moses says to him, but what's your name? And he gives a statement, tell him I am I sent you. Jesus used the same statement 3,000 years later. But he refers to himself as I am. He gets stoned for it, basically. They're reaching for stones because he says that. He's declared himself as God. So the great I am. That's the first I am Moses. He's had this major instruction. Now, the, um, this was the big message. Moses, understandably, if we go back to the uh, burning bush again for us. Moses, understandably, is more than a little overwhelmed by this. He's had four decades as a shepherd getting the odd nudge, and next thing he knows, he's got a burning bush. And God's speaking to him and tells him to go and 
rescue his nation. He's little of Wilms. So you know, let's be a bit gentle with Moses. If it'd been me, I'm pretty certain I'd have been a bit of, well, definitely worried and definitely coming up with as many excuses that eat him to come up with. I'm not going to go for the next few readings, but you know that he's constantly saying to him, I'm not up for this. I can't do this. His first one he goes, I'm trying to read him. Here's not the reading now. I got it here, sorry. Exodus 4. He says, What if they didn't believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? Can we go to the next slide, please? He says, A staff. The Lord said to him, Throw it on the ground. Next slide. It turns into one of these. Now, Moses has it away and he's told very quickly from this. These cobras will kill you. Moses ran away from it. And the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Do you think grabbing a snake by its tail is the best place to grab a a snake? Because what's at the other end? (laughs) Right? Moses would know all about how you deal with snakes. And how you normally deal with snakes is a whacking big stick. Have a run away from it or smack it on the head. A lot. <laughs> Until it decides it's not going to move any longer. He's like his big stick. His big stick's turned into a snake. So he grabs the end and he says, You want me to grab that snake by its tail? Grabs it by its tail, and we all know what happens. It turns back into a stick again. He goes, I'm. I'd be amazed at Moses' sense of relief when the snake turns back into the staff. He's going, I'm pleased that happened. He says, so, do the thing about a snake. Pharaoh's crowns. What's the thing that you have in Pharaoh's crowns? You ever seen a picture of Pharaoh's crowns? He has a snake. When Moses is going back to the Egyptians and he turns his, his stick into a snake the pharaoh would take notice of that it's a religious animal for him the next time he, does, he, does, he gives him three signs second sign does he says put your hand inside your, in your, inside your jacket Moses Moses goes oh. brings it out and it's leprous not a good thing leprous is considered pretty bad now it's considered very bad then so right, put it back in again put it back in again take it out and it's gone Another sign for the Egyptians and for the Israelites. The third sign he gives them, he says, if you don't fall for that, go to the Nile, grab some water out of it, and pour it on the floor. Water pours on the floor, turns to blood. The Nile is very important for the Egyptians. This is the global superpower. And it requires its agriculture. And the Nile is that important and he just poured it. It really will be a wake-up call to Egyptians. This. So we think, well, well, Moses has been pretty well convinced there. But he asked God the question again. God keeps him going about that. Just and the, got the burning bush for his thanks. He keeps him going back and he's saying, 
I'm the God of, a- of Jacob, Abraham, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to do this. He says, but what if you don't believe me? Again, this is Moses again. Next one in Exodus 4.10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, a bit like me. Never in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant, I'm slow of speech and tongue. If I was slow of speech and tongue, you'd be very impressed, wouldn't you? I'm a bit quick speaker. Moses was slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. So you think by this point, Moses got the idea. Not long afterwards, he says, But Moses, oh Lord, please send someone else. I've been a shepherd for 40 years. I'm 80. I'm looking forward to my slippers. Please send somebody else. The Lord's anger burns up against Moses. He said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. I'm glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and he will be as if it was your mouth and if I were, you, were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so he can form the signs. Moses finally gets the end. Moses goes for it. Aaron, you must be seeing him once in a while. Comes and says, Hi Moses, how's it been? He says, Moses, you're not going to believe this. We've got a job to do, Aaron. We're going back down to uh, see Pharaoh. Moses probably knew Pharaoh. You know, 40 years earlier, Moses probably knew the guy who's the Pharaoh. Wouldn't be the same one, but I bet he knew him. Been the same family. So Moses goes to Jephro and says, I've got to go back to Egypt. I've got to try and convince the Egyptians to let my people go. And Pharaoh says, Jephro says, sounds right to me, off you go. On the way down, the Lord says to Moses in Midian, he says, go back to Egypt. For all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. Of all the questions Moses asked Jesus, asked God about, I can't do this, I've got poor speech. I can't think of the words. The big question in his mind was, what if they're going to kill me? What if they still after me for that killing that they did 40 years ago? Moses is answered without asking the question. God says, oh, you know that little bit of thing about killing somebody? They're not after you anymore, Moses. Put his mind at rest. Moses, as we know, goes. He leads his people out. He leads his people for 40 years into the desert. It brings them very closeness to God. It brings down the Ten Commandments. He takes them towards the River Jordan. He doesn't cross it. 
He's not allowed to cross it. He's not allowed to go into there. He doesn't go into there because what he did, he did a mistake. That's a bit serious, this. Way, way back early on, Moses, they're looking for water in the desert. And God says to Moses, go to that rock over there and tell it to, for water to come out of it. Moses goes to the rock and hits it with a stick. Hits it with a staff and commands it. God tells him off for that. He said, I didn't ask you to smack it. But in the special effects, all I ask you to do is tell it to us for out. And Moses can't go into the present promised land. Can't cross into Jordan because of that. He was told he wouldn't be going for there. Can we have the next slide, please? That's the next mountain we're going to talk about. This is Mount Nebo. It's just outside the promised land. Moses is 120 years old. He's going to die soon. He's led his people. And the Lord takes him to the top of that. I'm going to have the next slide, please. We've got the kids drop the slides there. The lights there. Yeah. Moses climbs Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across in Jericho. The Lord showed him the whole land. From Gilead and Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim, and Manasseh, all the lands of Judea, as far as the Mediterranean Sea. That's the view. That's the top of the mountain. That's what Moses is looking at. The Negev on the whole region from the very of Jericho to the city of Palms as far as Zor. The Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I've let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over it. And then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord has said, He buried him. In Moab, in the valley opposite Bethpur. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses and the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. He's been a loyal servant for 40 years. And we say, you may say, so he's shown him where it is. That's a bit tight. In the laws in Israel, the Jewish laws at the time, to see the land in front of you was given the land in front of you. So the Lord is saying to him, you're not walking into it, but I'm showing it you. And you know what? Moses does go into the promised land. He does do it. It's not in Deuteronomy. It's in the New Testament. Moses joins Elijah and Jesus and he is transfigured. Moses is allowed to stand in the promised land. 3,000 years later, John, Peter and James saw it take place. So Moses does go to the promised land. What a roundabout route. 
for the Lord comes. What I'm saying is that Bozo became a big game changer in his first years of his life. Completely different person he was as a shepherd. And we can we all be called to be game changers, regardless of our age. Some people were game changers as children. Some people were brought as game changers like I was. I was 30 when I became a Christian. My life changed completely when I was 30. Some people might become game changers in their 70s. Moses showed us it can well in his last two thirds of his life. So in my case, that'd be 60. And I'm expecting it to be at least 90. I'm targeting 100, if not more. <laughs> I mean, no rush. It can make you a game changer. If you listen to him and follow him, it can make you into that person that he wants you to be. Change the world for him at any age. This part, this passage, which always strikes me, how deep and how close this relationship Moses had. Moses would go into the tent with, with God. When God was speaking, Moses would go into the tent, and Joshua, his number two, would be next door, and Moses would be talking to God in the tent. In the walk. That's how close a relationship Moses has with God. What strikes me here, this throwaway line. And Moses, a servant of the Lord, died in Moab, and the Lord has said, as the Lord has said, he buried him in Moab. Who is he? Could it be that the Lord himself? buried Moses could it be that the relationship these two had was enough for the Lord himself to bury him some translations suggest that he's buried by other people but that's it's quite clear there he buried him how loving is the God of that that would spend time to bury his own Come next slide, please. There's Ben Bush again. We've seen it three times. Can you tell what's different about this one? Look at the picture. Sorry? Shoes. Are they sandals? The shoes. The training shoes. I want to encourage us in the next few minutes. You don't have to. Depends if you've got decent socks on. Take off your shoes. You're standing on the ground. I just spend a little time, just a minute, in prayer. I'm praying that today, God will help you become a game changer. Or help you in your game changing role. Standing there on all the ground, just for a minute. Well, we thank you, and we come before you.
Amen.